The town had no shortage of widows for Nuggan's sake, and Olga Clambers was a warm-hearted lady who baked like a champion. His wife's long illness and Paul's long absence had taken a lot out of her father. Polly was glad some of it was put back. The old ladies who spent their days glowering from their windows might spy and peeve and mumble, but they had been doing that for too long. No one listened any more. She raised her gaze. Smoke and steam were already rising from the laundry of the girls' working school. The building hung over one end of the town like a threat, big and grey with tall, thin windows. It was always silent. When she was small, she'd been told that that was where the bad girls went. The nature of badness was not explained, and... At the age of five, Polly had received the vague idea that it consisted of not going to bed when you were told. At the age of eight, she'd learned it was where you were lucky not to go for buying your brother a paint box. She turned her back and set off between the trees, which were full of birdsong. Forget you were ever Polly. Think, young male, that was the thing. Fart loudly and with self-satisfaction at a job well done. Walk like a puppet that had had a couple of random strings cut, never hug anyone, and, if you meet a friend, punch them. A few years working in the bar had provided plenty of observational material. No problem about not swinging her hips, at least. Nature had been pretty sparing there, too. And then there was the young male walk to master. At least women swung only their hips. Young men swung everything from the shoulders down. You have to try to occupy a lot of space, she thought. It makes you look bigger, like a tomcat fluffing his tail. She'd seen it a lot in the inn. The boys tried to walk big in self-defence against all those other big boys out there. I'm bad, I'm fierce, I'm cool. I'd like a pint of shandy and my man wants me home by nine. Let's see now. Arms out from the body as though holding a couple of bags of flour check. Shoulders swaying as though she was elbowing her way through a crowd. Check. Hands slightly bunched and making rhythmical circling motions as though turning two independent handles attached to the waist. Check. Legs moving forward loosely and ape-like. Check. It worked fine for a few yards until she got something wrong and the resultant muscular confusion somersaulted her into a hollybush. After that, she gave up. The thunderstorm came back as she hurried along the trail. Sometimes one would hang around the mountains for days, but at least up here the path wasn't a river of mud and the trees still had enough leaves to give her some protection. There was no time to wait out the weather anyway. She had a long way to go. The recruiting party would cross at the ferry but Polly was known to all the ferrymen by sight, and the guard would want to see her permit to travel, which Oliver Perks certainly didn't have. So that meant a long diversion all the way to the Troll Bridge at Tubes. To the trolls, all humans looked alike, and any piece of paper would do as a permit, since they didn't read. Then she could walk down through the pine forests to Plune. The cart would have to stop there for the night, but the place was one of those nowhere villages that existed only in order to avoid the embarrassment of having any large empty spaces on the map. It was just what she wanted. No one knew her in Plune. No one ever went there. It was a dump. It was, in fact, just the place she needed. The recruiting party would stop there and she could enlist. 
she was pretty certain the big fat sergeant and his greasy little corporal wouldn't notice the girl who'd served them last night. She was not, as they said, conventionally beautiful. The corporal had tried to pinch her bottom, but probably out of habits like swatting a fly, and there was not enough for a big pinch at that. She sat on the hill above the ferry and had a late breakfast of cold potato and sausage while she watched the cart cross over. No one was marching behind it. No lads had been recruited back in Munns this time. People had kept away. Too many young men had left over the last few years, and not enough had come back. And of the ones who'd come back, sometimes not enough of each man had come back. The corporal could bang his drum all he liked. Munns was running out of sons almost as fast as it accumulated widows. The afternoon hung heavy and humid, and a yellow pine warbler followed her from bush to bush. Last night's mud was steaming when Polly reached the troll bridge, which crossed the river in a narrow gorge. It was a thin, graceful affair, put together, it was said, with no mortar at all. And it was said that the weight of the bridge anchored it ever more deeply into the rock on either side. It was said to be a wonder of the world, except that very few people around here ever wondered much about anything and were barely aware of the world. It cost one penny to cross, or one hundred gold pieces, if you had a billy goat. Trolls might not be quick thinkers, but they don't forget in a hurry either. Halfway across, Polly peered over the parapet and saw the cart far, far below, working its way along the narrow road just above the white water. The afternoon's journey was downhill all the way, through dark pines on this side of the gorge. She didn't hurry, and, towards sunset, she spotted the inn. The cart had already arrived, but by the looks of it, the recruiting sergeant had not even bothered to make an effort. There was no drum banging like there had been last night, no cries of, roll up my young shavers, it's a great life in the ins and outs. There was always a war. Usually they were border disputes, the national equivalent of complaining that the neighbour was letting their hedge grow too long. Sometimes they were bigger. Borogravia was a peace-loving country in the midst of treacherous, devious, warlike enemies. They had to be treacherous, devious, and warlike, otherwise we wouldn't be fighting them, eh? There was always a war. Polly's father had been in the army before he took over the Duchess from Polly's grandfather. He didn't talk about it much. He'd brought his sword back with him, but instead of hanging it over the fireplace, he used it to poke the fire. Sometimes old friends would turn up, and, when the bars were shut for the night, they'd gather around the fire and drink and sing. The young Polly found excuses to stay up and listen to the songs they sang, but that had stopped when she'd got into trouble for using one of the more interesting words in front of her mother. Now she was older and served the beer, it was presumably assumed that she knew the words, or would find out what they meant soon enough. Besides, her mother had gone where bad words would no longer offend, and, in theory, never got said. The songs had been part of her childhood. She knew all the words of The World Turned Upside Down, and The Devil Shall Be My Sergeant, and Johnny Has Gone For A Soldier, and The Girl I Left Behind Me. And, after the drink had been flowing for a while, she'd memorised Colonel Krapsky, and I Wish I'd Never Kissed Her. And then, of course, there had been sweet Polly Oliver. Her father used to sing it when she was small, and fretful or sad, 
and she'd laughed to hear it simply because it had a name in it. She was word perfect on the words before she'd known what most of them meant. And now... Polly pushed open the door. The recruiting sergeant and his corporal looked up from the stained table where they were sitting, beer mugs halfway to their lips. She took a deep breath, marched over, and made an attempt at saluting. What do you want, kid? growled the corporal. Uh, want to join up, sir? The sergeant turned to Polly and grinned, which made his scars move oddly and caused a tremor to shake all his chins. The word fat could not honestly be applied to him, not when the word gross was lumbering forward to catch your attention. He was one of those people who didn't have a waist. He had an equator. He had gravity. If he fell over in any direction, he would rock. Sun and drink had burned his face red. Small, dark eyes twinkled in the redness like the sparkle on the edge of a knife. Beside him, on the table, were a couple of old-fashioned cutlasses, weapons that had more in common with a meat cleaver than a sword. Just like that, he said. Yes, sir. Really? Yes, sir. You don't want us to get you stinking drunk first? It's traditional, you know. No, sir. I haven't told you about the wonderful opportunities for advancement and good fortune, have I? No, sir. Did I mention how the spanking red uniform will mean you'll have to beat the girls off with a stick? Don't think so, sir. For the grub? Every meal's a banquet when you march along with us. The sergeant smacked his belly, which caused tremors in outlying regions. I'm the living proof. Yes, sir. No, sir. I just want to join up to fight for my country and the honour...